In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. your day going it's about to get better we are about to get into some nlp that's right next class ladies and gentlemen i hope you're enjoying the class i hope you're enjoying spending some time with me because i am enjoying spending some time with you it's probably because you're such a cool person it's probably because you're so handsome or you're so beautiful It might be your sense of humor. I don't know, but I like you. You get it? All right. Let's do it. You know how we start this off, right? We start off with some proverbs. And these ones are going to be about the past, the present, and the future. Yesterday's the past. Tomorrow's the future. Today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Past. We all know how time flies. How it is here today and gone tomorrow. How no hand can catch time. Indeed, time is precious. Time is money. Though all too often we must time... I am sorry. Although all too often we want time badly then use it badly. For example, don't let yesterday take up too much of your today. Don't cry over spilt milk. And there are no birds in last year's nest. In general, hindsight is clearer than foresight. So remember, four things do not return. Spoken words, flighted arrows, past life, and lost opportunities. Indeed, even a god can't change the past. For a lost sheep can be recovered, but not lost time. Despite this, no matter how hard the past, 
you can always begin again. And when you do, watch out. History repeats itself. Which is why so often things present are judged by things past. Today is the scholar of yesterday. Present. The early bird catches the worm. For so often in life, it's first come, first served. And if you get to the river early, you drink the cleanest water. Otherwise, you can tell yourself better late than never. For everything has its proper time. Even manuring cabbages. Indeed, there is a time for adversity, a time for prosperity. And there's a first time for everything. Even the longest journey starts with a single step. Aim to experience each moment to its fullest. For there's no time like now. And despite the fact that time and tide wait for no man, and the tide must be taken when it comes, don't forget to give time time. Suit yourself to the times. And remember that time brings roses. Indeed, those who are happy do not observe the passing of time. And one today is worth two tomorrows. The future. Worrying about the future ruins the present. So relax. Tomorrow is another day. And tomorrow's winds will blow tomorrow. So let us think of tomorrow when tomorrow comes, though tomorrow never comes. Of course, there are few paths without peril. So be prepared for conflicts as they have already begun. And however good your intention the food you give may come back as poo. In the end, time heals all. For everything has an end, and things will work out all in good time. Just remember, the past is the future of the present. Indeed, we are only visitors to this time and place. With a sponge to wipe away the past, a rose to sweeten the present, and a kiss to greet the future. For flowers bloom, flowers fall. Well, isn't that beautiful? Doesn't it give you a little, ah, a little sigh of relief? Everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> okay, my friends. Well, that's the first part that we normally do. Let us dig in now to some NLP. I'm really enjoying this class, guys. Thanks for spending time with me. So, this one, I am going to go over... uh, I think we shall call this... I was going to go with self-concept. I think we'll go with self-concept. Self-concept. I like it. We're going to get into knowing thyself so you can know the other. Self-concept. Know yourself so you can know the other. And as always, we're going to define some key points. We're going to go over the key points in an offensive posture and a defensive posture. For those of you that haven't gone back and listened to the other classes, you should do that. Otherwise, you won't know what a defensive posture and an offensive posture are. All right? So the self-concept. 
The first part I want everyone to think about in self-concept is stress and stress management. How do you feel when you're stressed? How do you feel when you're not stressed? I think this is a good point. I think I I got a really good story for you about stress. (laughs) There was this great samurai. And this great samurai had lived his life as honorable as any samurai could. It's important to note that this particular samurai carried around a magnificent sword that he built with his father. And it was, in his mind, exquisite, perfect in every way. Not to mention it reminded him of his father. And as the samurai went through his life, about midway through, about 35, he began having questions about the true nature of paradise and the true nature of hell, of damnation. And while he was a educated and skilled philosophical man, he couldn't quite pin down that of paradise and that of condemnation, that of hell. So he sought out the wisest man in his lands who lived way out in the back country on top of a hill in a very remote part of the country. The samurai thought to himself, if anyone can explain to me that of paradise and that of condemnation, surely it would be this wise man in isolation and so the samurai gets upon his horse and rides for days until he comes upon a humble abode of the isolated wise man the wise man's working in his field and he looks up from his scythe and he sees this enormous samurai walking towards him and the wise man is quiet. And as the samurai approaches, he very respectfully bows his head and says, My lord, the wisest man, I seek to know that of paradise and I seek to know that of damnation. I seek to know the gates of paradise. I seek to know the gates of hell. Are they real? Are they true? <clears throat> And the wise man looks at the samurai and for a moment he's quiet and he says to the samurai you warrior are not worthy you warrior with your weak soul and your fake ideals and morality You, sir, do not have the ability to comprehend. And the samurai is beginning to get a little angry. Because here's this wise man telling him how poor he is and his morals and his values. And the samurai had lived his whole life protecting people, 
honoring the code. The wise man continues on, you samurai, with your weak weapon of war. What, what a poor sword one like you carries. Did you find that in the shithouse? And the samurai, upon hearing this, it triggers him and he thinks of his father and he thinks of everything he's done and the people he's protected. The samurai begins to lose his cool and he reaches for his sword and he pulls it out and begins to unsheathe it and he can feel the anger in his body. And the wise man says to him, Behold, the gates of condemnation, the gates of hell. The samurai takes a deep breath and he realizes that that anger, the fury, the unbridled emotion of retribution, rage, that is the gate to hell. And as the samurai realizes that, although his sword was sheathed halfway, he lets out a sigh of relief and he resheathes his sword and puts it back into the holster. And the wise man says, Behold, the gates of paradise. The samurai bows his head and, and leaves. Rage, my friends. Rage, rage into the dying of the light. That rage is the very gates of condemnation. That rage is the very gates of hell. Forgiveness, understanding is the gateway to paradise. It's important to understand how stress, this is the first key point. First key point, stress can create a cascade of negative reactions. Having stress management strategies for dealing with emergencies and preventing the buildup of stress enhances someone's options for positive behaviors and outcomes. Defensive posture. Understand what your mental state is. If you are in a position of stress, usually it's because you're tired, you're hungry. It's usually one of those two things or perhaps an environmental. Having a defensive strategy is something you should all have and you probably already have them, whether it's going out and exercising, whether it's counting to 10, doing some breathing exercises. It's important to recognize the immediate trigger or onset of stress. Right, this is the first step on the gateway to condemnation. This is, these small stressful situations can lead to rage, can lead to anger, can lead to misguided judgment. You should know that in yourself. Know thyself. Self-concept. Defensive posture. Offensive posture. You can wield stress against someone else. Be it physical, be it mental, be it humorous, 
Know that you can use your words. You can use your ideas. You can use your language. You can use the situation to put other people in stressful situations. When wielding this particular offensive posture, it's best to be used in a way, if you're going to put someone in a stressful situation, you should be doing it in order to make them see their own mistakes. Does that make sense? You can ask them a series of questions that will inevitably lead them to an answer that will help them understand why they're doing the things they're doing. There are plenty of other offensive postures you can use in a stressful situation. But I'm going to leave those for the people that would want to go and dig and understand them. Again, a lot of these techniques can be used for good or bad. It's not the technique that's good or bad. The technique is neutral. What you decide to use them for is on is your decision. Key point number two. Each of us is a product of our experiences and the thought patterns and conclusions we've created in response to those experiences. Defensive posture. Know your history. Know your experiences. What you do sometimes, you do all the time. If you can understand your pattern, your mental map for making decisions, then you can understand and even predict how you're going to react in the future. It sounds easier than it is. Once you've done it for a while, you will be able to chart your course. You will be able to use your mental map to predict the future or at least outcomes that could possibly happen in the future. Additionally, understanding your thought patterns. Can you think of a situation in which you did something that didn't work out the way you thought? Picture it. Now go back and try to remember where the incongruence was between what you thought was going to happen and what actually happened. If you can find that incongruence, you may be able to find a pattern in your thinking, something that you overlook, something that you failed to factor in, a missing variable. That's the defensive posture, understanding how you build your own experience. The offensive posture, know that we all build experiences similar. We all use our five senses to build experiences. If you can understand the history of someone else's experience, if you can understand someone's mental thought patterns, if you can take a look at their mental map, then you have an opportunity to either interrupt their thinking patterns. You have the opportunity to maybe understand their mental map and how they get there. And if you can understand their decision-making, you can 
understand how to come up with a strategy to beat their situation. Does that make sense? If you can put yourself in someone else's skin, if you can think how they would think, then you can think of a strategy that they haven't thought of. It's important. I know that's kind of a a mouthful, but it's true. Next key point. Beliefs are generalized thoughts and they act as automated filters that determine what information we let in. This is tricky because a lot of the times our beliefs, right? We go back to Lao Tzu. Remember him? Your thoughts become your ideas, become your beliefs, become your actions. So we watch our thoughts. Because once they've gone, once the thoughts have solidified into your ideas, and once your ideas have solidified into your beliefs, now, it's very difficult to make those solids malleable again. It can be done. But once your thoughts have solidified, they can become a weak point for you. Once a thought has become a belief, it's like you... Your mind has decided you no longer need to think about it because it's already been thought of. It's already become a belief. It's already been solidified. And a lot of times the beliefs we have today are predicated on ideas we had when we were young and foolish. We've never gone back and changed them. So it becomes a blind spot. It's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And you can do it If you take time and write things out, think about your beliefs. Why do you think that? What thoughts led to that idea that led to that belief? Did that belief lead to this action? More than likely. That's the defensive posture. Offensive posture. You can listen to people's speech patterns. You can listen to the words they use to understand their belief. This is where the... I would say that this particular offensive strategy is best wielded with active listening. And what I mean by that is not thinking of what you're going to say while someone is speaking, but listening intently on what they say so you can recognize their mental map and or their beliefs. People want to tell you their beliefs. And if you think about that, once someone tells me their belief, now I could pretend that their belief is my belief. And that's instant trust. It's instant lifting of the swords of the guardsmen. It's allowing me to get close. Hey, this guy believes what I believe. He must be okay. That's the offensive maneuver. And beware of that on defense.
another point I'm going to add to beliefs is that they can be both empowering and limiting. Again, it's neutral. But think about what beliefs you have and what beliefs someone else has. Are those beliefs empowering or are they limiting? And why are they empowering? Why are they limiting? The next key point. The deep structure of what we mean is not always clearly communicated by what we say. Our linguistic shorthand often reflects an overgeneralization. You know, this is a... This is one of those ones that seems so simple, but it's actually one of the most complex. The structure of what we mean is rarely clearly communicated. So many times you sit down with someone and in your mind you think you've spoken clearly, but that person didn't understand a word you said. Maybe because they've been blinded by emotion. Maybe they're in a straight a state of fear. Maybe they're in a state of stress. Or maybe you failed to articulate what it is you meant. Maybe you wanted to be nice, so you pulled your punches and you didn't use the right word. Maybe you're speaking to someone who grew up in a different part of the world and the speech you use, the tone you use, is not conveying the message you think it should or is not conveying the message that it needs to convey. When it comes to overgeneralization, it's so easy to do. No one ever defines their terms before they begin the conversation. Thus, overgeneralization becomes a symptom of the sickness that plagues our communication. It's a good idea if you're going to be in a crucial conversation to define the terms you're going to use with the other person. That's the defensive posture. The offensive posture would be to allow the person with whom you're speaking to use overgeneralization terms, to use this ambiguous language. That's going to allow you to not be held accountable for whatever it is they're asking you to do. That would be the offensive posture. These are going to be meta meta programs, or I guess you could think of them as thought patterns, and they're usually based on generalizations. I'm not going to go over a lot of them, but I'm going to go over you the main. I'm going to go over the main ones that'll give you an opportunity to understand which program you're using, and if you might want to switch to a different program. It's once you learn them, you'll be able to go through them and find out which one you use and which one's best for you. Let's jump into them. Meta program. Options versus procedures. 
Is it more important for you to do something the right way than it is to have alternative ways of doing it? Toward versus away from. Are you more motivated by moving towards something that has a potentially positive outcome or away from a potentially negative outcome? Proactive, reactive. Are you more likely to take the initiative to act or wait for someone else to do it or for something else to happen? Internal, external. When you evaluate something, are you more likely to use an internal, personal standard or to ask for someone else's feedback? General versus specific. Do you most often deal in the big picture or the details? Match, mismatch. When making comparisons, do you notice how things are alike or where there are differences and discrepancies? You see, everyone's going to fall a little bit different on that spectrum. But you can go back and you can listen to that and you can apply those meta programs to your strategies. You can apply those meta programs to your offensive strategies and your defensive strategies. It's very important to take time and understand which of those programs you're running. Next key point. Predicates are sensory-based words that telegraph someone's preferred representational channel, visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. This one, this one is really good. This is one that most people never pick up on. Have you ever heard someone say, hey, that sounds good to me. Oh, I, I hear you loud and clear. That rings true in my experience. You see, phrases like that, if someone used those phrases, you would understand that that person is an auditory learner. The visual learner is going to say things like, can't you see the truth? Oh, gosh, you're blind. You can't see that. Or it's spelled out right in front of you, right there. Look at boom, boom, boom. How could you miss that? That's a visual learner. Which one are you? Do you use those phrases? Which phrases do you use? That will explain who you are. On a defensive posture, it'll help you to know how to better interpret information. On a defensive posture, it's going to help you find methods of learning new subjects by understanding how you learn best, be it visual, be it auditory or kinesthetic. It's going to help you explain things to yourself. On an offensive posture, if you can figure out the phrases somebody used, the sensory-based predicates someone else uses, then you're going to be able to better explain to them what it is you want them to know using their preferred method 
of explanation, be it auditory, be it visual, or be it kinesthetic. You're going to be able to drive that point home for them. That is the offensive posture. Next key point. Your self-concept is a generalization about your behavior that is based on selecting examples of events that demonstrate your qualities, collecting them together into a database, and then using one example as a sort of summary. What cognitive linguists call a prototype. It's important to understand that the very way you think of yourself is a generalization. And if you can just say that to yourself, if you can think it out loud or know, your self-concept is a generalization. Your self-concept is a generalization. Your self-concept is a generalization. Now apply everything we've learned about generalizations to your self-concept. All these previous key points. Apply the knowledge that you can change your self-concept. Apply these key points to not only change your generalization of your self-concept, but physically change the parameters in which you use to generalize. The way you do that is you want to integrate counterexamples. Does that make sense? If your self-concept is based on qualities and examples of events in your life where you've acted a certain way, chances are they're going to be similar. So you got to do the hard thinking. You got to think of other times you did things that were different. And then you compare and contrast those two. It's tricky. That's the defensive posture though, is finding out who you really are and using your past experiences to come up with your own self con your own self concept. And the fact that you know it's based on generalizations means that you can tailor your self concept to be a, a tr- true enough. A true concept of yourself is the one you're looking for. On a defensive posture, if you can understand how someone feels about themselves, you know, what their what their self-concept is, then you could feed them counterexamples. If they say to you, "Look, I'm this type of person. I always do this." And then you say, "Well, let me give you a different example. You say you always do that, but on Monday you did this, on Tuesday you did that, on Wednesday you did that." If you can provide someone else with multiple counterexamples of who they think they are 
then you can change their self-concept. It's powerful and it's provocative. And you should be very careful with it. Because once you learn how to do it, it's a very effective tool. You can change the way you think about yourself. You can change your self-concept. And you can change other people's self-concept by feeding them counterexamples of what they think. It's, da- it's kind of dangerous. Be careful with that one, please. I think I'll leave you with a, another quick little story. It's a, it's a, it is about generalizations and it is about con- self-concepts and it is about some of the key ideas and think it kind of I think that it ties together the end of this course beautifully I heard a story once about a Buddhist retreat and people from all over Japan all over America and all over these different countries came to this Buddhist retreat and on the first day a couple people noticed that one particular gentleman had stole some of their things, some of their personal items. And so they went to the the Buddhist monk that was putting on the retreat and they said to him, hey, we've noticed that this man is stealing our things. And the Buddhist just, he kind of waved his hand, he didn't do anything, the Buddhist monk. And the next day, the same guy stole even more things. And now people were beginning to get really angry. And more people went to the monk. And they said, listen, this guy has to go. We need all our stuff back. This guy has to get out of here or we're leaving. So the third day, the Buddhist monk calls everybody to the front of the temple. And to his audience, he stands up on, his, on the platform and he says, to all my brothers and sisters here, some of you have told me about this young man stealing and how wrong it is and how ashamed of himself he should be. To all of you, you are very lucky You are very wise and intelligent and good people. You know that stealing is wrong. You know that stealing from someone you don't know, stealing their personal goods, can have long-lasting consequences. And you're free to leave if you want to. But I cannot kick out this man that's stealing, for he does not know it's wrong. And if no one is going to teach him, then I must teach him. The young man in the crowd begins crying. He begins understanding. Interesting story, right? That's all I got for you guys. I love you. I hope you are having an amazing day. I hope you are truly understanding the linguistic pathways of success. I hope you're beginning to navigate them and use these 
techniques in your life to make your life better and your family better. I love you guys. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that... I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.